What's going on, folks? It's Chase and Joshua Factor Fantasy. We're back here again. Last week, we tackled the Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. This week, we're transitioning into our next series. We'll be covering The Witcher Season 3, starting with Episode 1 today. I will be going ahead and guiding us through this episode. Chase will take Episode 2, so on and so forth, throughout the Season 3 of The Witcher. A lot of cool stuff that we saw here, a lot of action, and uh, really excited to dive into it, kind of try to digest it, especially with all the drama surrounding it as well, right? So before we jump into it and get started, I'll turn the floor to Chase to say a few words. We're back, baby, back in our territory right here, literally back in uh, one of our biggest franchises of this show, The Witcher. So, and uh, just like you said, there's definitely some, we've been talking about it, you know, all year, kind of little hints we've been talking about back and forth with all the entertainment tonight information going on but man it it is a banger um hopefully it's not bittersweet but it's gonna be one hell of a ride so it feels good to be back in our element you know what i mean for sure dude yeah that that's the biggest question is what happens after season three of the witcher we've had obviously the reports that henry cavill's not going to be back for season four that they have liam hemsworth gonna be set to take on that role but then we've got this new report saying that the whole production's been halted and season four is not a guaranteed go now and what does that mean does that mean that they're gonna try to renegotiate with henry cavill who knows man so there's just a lot going on so we gotta enjoy this season for what it is because it might be the last of the witcher as we know it at the very least and now really excited to uh, to hand, tackle it the right way man so do you have anything else you say before i jump into the first episode here no man just ready for one hell of a i guess you can kind of say like a semi-final ride with white wolf i mean we're kind of in limbo right now like we don't really know what's going to happen and if it does come back maybe it doesn't come back in the way we're exactly wanting to or expecting but uh so i we always tell the audience on this show enjoy the moment because we never know what's coming here i mean just look at this year you know before we had requests for westworld that was a big franchise and we can't do westworld anymore because you never know what's going to happen and uh that that's why we're here on factor fantasy so enjoy the ride But we do know we got one hell of a badass season three coming for you. So I'll let you take it away, Jay Nelly. Sounds like a plan. And if you have not caught up with The Witcher, to give a brief recap of where things stand going into season three of The Witcher, basically every nation and faction of individuals are on the hunt for Cirilla. So that kind of plays into right where this comes in. Obviously, we figure out she's got these abilities from last season that people need to cultivate because she could be the key for a lot of things power for some countries or factions peace for some other ones just uh, there's a lot going on here and she's the focal point so there's a lot of nations trying to find her so just to kind of ease on in into season three uh we start off with uh, this professor and a few other guys and they are on the hunt for Geralt and for Cirilla. They go into this shack, this uh, kind of, I would say it's it's a house of sorts, but it's a kind of smaller, almost gives me like, not log cabin vibes, but just cabin in the woods vibes, right? And uh, he, he asks the guy who lives there for information. The guy's not saying nothing, but they go outside uh, into the back, just like the field area, and Geralt's just sitting there <laughs> waiting. And I believe it's five men in total. 
and he just fucks them all up and it ends with that professor who's like you know the ringleader and try he, he was sounding all cool and ready to go not too long ago but when all his boys fell around him dead he didn't really have a whole lot to say he kind of begged for mercy a little bit and Girl said, "Not today. Cut that head clean off, man." <laughs> so I, thought, I like also how the camera panned too to where that like, you could see the almost almost the, if you were the head with the last things you would see alive, and you see your own body fall without its head attached to it. I thought that was badass, super fucking sick. So at that point, the ti- yeah. Did you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, I just wanted to say a small note. It reminded me a lot of Three Hundred. That moment. Do you remember Three Hundred, the movie with Gerard Butler? It was a sick ass moment, man. Yeah, but yeah. I'll let you take it away. To that point, I was actually watching that with one of my friends, and I, I had mentioned the same exact thing. I was like, "Yo, this is this, these battle sequences are very 300 esque, where it goes fast, and all of a sudden, for the big moments, it goes into slow mo, and then speeds up. And it's just really, really cool. So, yeah, I, I did notice that as well. Something that I also had mentioned, and I, I yeah, they did a really great job with these the uh, battle scenes and the choreography with that. Uh, but yeah, at that point, the title sequence hits, and the scene moves over to Siri, Yennefer, and Geralt, and they're constantly on the move. They, they're not able to stay in one place too long because there's people nonstop coming after them, trying to collect that bounty, trying to you know, capture her and give her to whoever you know, is the highest bidder, I guess, at that point. And while we're constantly on the move here, Yennefer is trying to teach Siri magic, and they're having these lessons daily. And it just, it, as of right now, it still seems as if Siri doesn't have a semblance of control over her powers. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't respond exactly as she's trying to get things to happen. So it's just one of those things that they're working on. And if you don't remember last season, Geralt almost ripped Yennefer off completely. Didn't want anything to do with her because she's the one that almost killed her. Really? That gave up her life so she could get her magic back. And Geralt's whole, whole deal was protecting her, and Yennefer knew that and took advantage of that. And so Geralt's really never forgiven her. And it, it, it's funny here because she updates, they're all in the same space, but she updates Geralt what's going on with Siri through written notes and just stabs it to the door where he's got to read it. Like she doesn't give him, just doesn't talk to him and tell him. Like he has to, she has to feel as if she needs to write notes because she knows he's still not cool with her and shit. But uh, they are found again. And their pursuers burn down the place that they're staying, and they finally find a new spot. And we learn that it's the fourth house in four months. So they don't get to really stay too long in any area. But uh, at this point, Yennefer writes to Geralt asking him to conserve Ciri's energy so she can teach her properly, thinking that maybe if he wasn't you know, messing around and getting to do all these other things, all that energy that she's expending, she can be using towards her magic and progressing those lessons along. So... This next lesson that she's about to go on here with Yennefer and talking about Siri, it's about this tree. And it looks like, almost like she's trying to re-erect the tree to its like, former glory, I guess I can say. But before they can complete this lesson, Geralt makes them leave again. But only because he doesn't trust that the villagers aren't secretly after them. They're, this time it doesn't. it's not for sure pursuers. But he's not even taking the chance. He's like, no, dude, I've, I've had this whole thing before. Like, we're not doing this. So he ups and leaves him. And they find this remote cabin in the snowy woods, and they start to bond. So they seem like they've stayed, they stay here a little bit. Because it's clear that Geralt still has anger towards Yennefer, but they're starting to bond a little bit and kind of come together. And as the days pass, you can see him sort of warming up in a way. But uh, back to the magic lessons. Uh, Yennefer and Ciri talk about magic and its importance. And, you know, she tries to give a, a tempered expectation of magic to Ciri. But Ciri's like, yo, you literally gave me up so you get your magic back so clearly it's important to to you and other people and you know she was 
basically saying that, yeah, I made a mistake though. I would never do something like that again. And it consumed me. And that's why I'm trying to teach you is do not let this consume you. You know, yes, it's important. Yes, it's something that is very useful, but you know, don't let it con- consume you. And that's, I think the biggest, you know, what she's trying to get across to Siri and the end all be all. Then we get our favorite dwarf, Yarpin. He comes back in and he convinces them to let Siri go have a little bit of fun at their festival. Probably a bad idea. You always know that nothing goes well when you want it. Anytime you take your foot off the gas a little bit, so to speak, anytime you think you're safe, that's when shit goes down, right? Well, Yarpin does convince them to all go to the festival. Geralt and Siri, or I'm sorry, Geralt and Yarpin are going to go with Siri, make sure she's safe, and he wants her to get like all disguised up and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, this part, the scene shifts to a sort of prison. And then re-ents the old fire mage with a scorched face from last season. What happened when that whole thing went down with Yennefer, even though she didn't have magic, she you know threw the fucking flames in his face and ended up uh, getting away in that moment. The, the re-ents is back. And he has this file of blood. And there's something banging against this prison door thing that uh, these two guys have. And basically, re-ents convinces them through payment to let him utilize whatever's behind that door, which we'll find out what it is in not too long. At this point, the scene shifts over to the elves, and the leader elf, uh, Francesca, she's giving everyone orders to find Siri, but there is some dissent among them. There is this other elf here, and I call, at first I didn't really understand what his role was, because it just seemed to be like the leader of the elves they set out to almost... I don't want to say like they're scavengers and they're attacking convoys and stuff, but kind of, right? I don't really know exactly yeah. uh, what what that what you would call him. In any event, he ends up having uh, his name's Gallatin, and he ends up having a problem with Francesca and what he she's having them do as an elven society, because all Francesca has done has made finding Cirilla the paramount importance instead of them surviving as a species because they've been kind of obviously the main theme of the witcher when it comes to the elves side of stuff is that they've been driven from their homes and they're nomadic and they have a semblance of a relationship with Nilfgaard because they've provided them refuge in, in the meantime in order to but in exchange for their help in any wars to come but then they uh, they you know they're out there in the woods and it, it's it, you can definitely say like I said there's a lot of tension uh, between Francesca and, and Gallatin, and, and it's going to come and boil up, I'm just going to assume, over the episodes, but it almost did just in this first one here. But basically, Gallatin argues with Francesca and tries to tell her what he believes is more important for them as a species. Like, you're, you're so dead set in finding this uh, Cirilla character thinking that it's going to solve all our problems. Well, we have problems here now. Our problems here now is that yes, we're attacking things, we're surviving, but we're, we're still getting killed. So, like some of us are still dying. Like we're not, you know, we're not in a good spot. And you just seem to not be responsive to that or don't care. And you know, this at that point, Francesca says something kind of cool. She says, "Well, if there's to be another genocide, this time it'll be the humans." So you know that obviously remember they killed her baby last season. That was a whole big deal, and that was the first Elvis child that was born in however long. So there's definitely still harbored resentment uh, for both of them, and it, but it just seems like they're in two different they're going in two different different directions with it. From there, the scene moves over to the king of Redania, if you guys remember uh, Vizmir, and then his mage Dijkstra. 
And Vizmir is making alternate plans for finding Cirilla. So instead of just using Philippa and Dijkstra, which is what he has been doing, and they've not been successful in locating her, he ends up using his brother. <laughs> He's like the Prince of Redania. And I'm not sure if this guy's got any abilities here, like, just coming from the first episode. He seems like a sweet talker, and he... You know, he's got something attached to him in my estimation. Like, you know, he seems like the good guy, the one that's easygoing and the smooth talker. But I don't trust this guy. I don't. I don't really know what it is. I really don't trust him. I don't know if that's gonna come back to bite anyone later on, or maybe this guy just really is uh, not that intelligent. Just goes around and tries to smooth people. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I think there's something there that's dark behind him, and I just can't put my finger on it. But that, that's just my opinion there. Do you get the same feeling about that? What are your feelings about this Prince of Redania? Yeah, uh, I mean, and we'll get into this later in the episode, but it, it makes me wonder if he's going to try to shake things up and cause some problems. Because he, just like you said, I mean, it's hard for me to judge somebody when I haven't really seen their character too much on screen to make my own opinion. But something about the way he's just shown up in these situations... I feel like there has to be some sort of intention behind it, too. So I agree with you. Yeah, for sure, man. And then just to move into that, we're still in Redania, but Dijkstra and Philippa, the mages, they're meeting secretly with themselves in this you know, secluded room, and they're making their own schemes. Uh, they basic they they, they kind of go back and forth of who's had the shittier shittier end of the deal so far. Dijkstra says he got syphilis from somebody, <laughs> and then Philippa's <laughs> like, "Well, I was in fucking Samaria and this the you know, shithole over there." And essentially, it got down to this, and, and and Philippa basically tells him, "If I'm the one to do this, I'm the only one giving orders when I get back." So to me, I don't I don't know, and I kind of want to ask you this question: Do you believe that they're making plans to overthrow the king of Verdania and, and, and killing off Vizmir in some sort of way that makes it seem accidental and then they take full control? Or what do you think she meant by that? I don't know if it's exactly like for them to take over full control together, but maybe to have more leverage on their side with whatever powers are at play. Like, that's what I really think. I don't think they have enough political power to have that much leverage with all the powers at play right now with the elves and in Nilfgaard and everything that we went into in season two I don't think they have that much leverage but Dijkstra of course I can't fucking trust that motherfucker as far as I can see him <laughs> so and then now that you know what's her name Marie Gold Marigold I don't know how to pronounce her name I'm the worst at names but uh, yeah yeah Marigold Marigold yeah uh, I mean it's just I definitely, I think they're definitely trying to pursue their plan to have more leverage in the political realm. I don't think it's necessarily that they think they'll have enough force to overthrow people, but that's just my thought. Yeah, I, I what I think here because I, I'm mainly limiting it to Redania specifically, the country of Redania, and how you know, Vizmir, the king of Redania, is kind of in control there. I would not be surprised. If we get to this point where Vizmir has an accident and he's killed, and now maybe not them take over the crown specifically, but the next person they bring in, basically they tell him what to do and he does it. You know what I mean? That's what I. That's what I'm kind of wondering is if that's the path they're going to go down. Vizmir gets killed by some shady circumstances, and then you have uh, Philippa and Dijkstra 
calling the shots more or so to speak so that's kind of a, a curiosity that I have on that end but to move into the next scene here it goes back to Geralt and Cirilla is excited about this festival. Obviously, Geralt's worried and tells her that he needs that she needs to disguise herself better. It kind of hurts Cirilla's feelings. She's like, "Why can't you just say I look lovely?" And he's like, "Yeah, okay, but you need to disguise yourself. The whole world's looking for you." Like, like there was like no logic in her feelings at all. It just like I said, it hurt her emotions, and uh, she stormed off all upset. And he's like, oh, I can't say anything, right? I can't do anything. He kind of grumbles to himself a bit. But at the end of the day, he's, he's right. The safety is the most paramount. Not having fun at this festival and God, who the hell knows where, right? Like, I, I don't know. So it was one of those, uh, yeah, you, you can't win one way or the other. He's <laughs> like, ah, oh, geez, if I say you look lovely and let you go out, you might get, you know, kidnapped. And if I don't let you, if I, you know, if you get all disguised up, you might not think you look pretty or whatever. I don't know, man. He's just like, I can't win either way. What did you think about it? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, here's the thing is Cirilla, even though she's definitely I mean, you can definitely tell by this episode just based on how everything's starting to come to play. Her training's definitely taking effect. She's already like leaps and bounds from where she started in season two after being in Kerberin and all these places and, and trained now with even Yennefer. But she's still I mean, she still has, you know, she's an emotional uh, young woman. So, I mean, she still wants to feel those things as compliments and that sort of thing. And it's funny. I kind of found it funny in a way because she shouldn't be expecting that from Geralt. Because everyone that knows from the White Wolf, he's not exactly an emotional person. Like, honestly, I don't even think he thought through that situation. I think his mind went was like... Well, that's dumb as fuck. Why are you doing that? Like, clearly we're going to be at a festival with hundreds and hundreds of people that clearly want you dead or kidnapped, and you're just going to walk out there like that? When in her mind, you know, she still has those thoughts of, like, say, you know, a girl going to the prom or something, right? Like, they want to be complimented for how pretty their dress is and everything. And he's not even thinking that. Like, even though she sees him as a father figure, in my opinion... He clearly has no emotions of like a, I mean, he has the emotional attachment of a father as like a protector, but as far as like being emotionally there for like a child, absolutely not. <laughs> like that didn't even process, but that was what I took from that. For sure. And then I think it's also hilarious because then he gets a ch chance to make up for it when Yennefer walks yeah. in and he's like, you look lovely. <laughs> so it was, like, it was one of those things. Well, all right. Well, I already messed up one. My mind's well. You'll make it better with the other one, right? There. Did you find that like kind of funny when he did that? <laughs> yeah, and like I actually had a question on that for you too. Like, it made me wonder because when Jennifer came out, she had like the mask on. Like, so she had the masquerade mask on, where like you could, if you really paid attention with her purple eyes and stuff, maybe you could like deduct it down if you're really trying to find Yennefer. But probably in his mind too, he was probably thinking, "Oh, nice!" Like <laughs> at the same time, "Oh, yeah, great! You wore what you were supposed to wear. Like that's lovely." <laughs> so like I don't know, but yeah, I agree with you. I just think. If anyone knows Geralt, and we should know him by this time, he's not exactly the most emotional person in the world. Well, that's the thing. That's the whole part of being a witcher. They're supposed to squash <laughs> that out of you. You're not supposed to be a human that have human emotions, you know? So yeah. it's just really 
interesting that uh, it, I mean, obviously, I don't think they expected him to be that way. We're talking about Jennifer and Cirilla. I don't think that they expected Geralt to be like, "Oh, lovely daughter, you look amazing." You know, I don't think they expected yeah. that. But it's just it's funny how when Cyril comes in, he's like, "Nah, you need to disguise yourself better. Fix those eyes, change your hair." Then Jennifer comes, in, he's like, "You look lovely." Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Side question, not to really get us off track here, and this won't take long, but it is on point. Like, is Geralt even really, like, human? Or is he more kind of like a monster? Like, what what is he? Because he's not like... I wouldn't describe him as, like, the mountain after they, you know, made him to whatever he was, right? Like a zombie like that. But he's still not, like, a human warrior. So... Where where's the line here? Like, is he does he have anything like that? Can he develop human emotion? I don't know. Do you have the answer? I don't have the answer. I have what I would call an educated guess towards it. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the mountain and made the comparison to Game of Thrones there, because I'm gonna also make that comparison, but not to the mountain. I would say more so like the Unsullied. They were supposed to be these yeah. machines that didn't have any emotion and no feeling. Remember. When Krasnick like cut the guy's nipple off and there's no pain, he's always a pleasure to serve you. But then by the end, you've got Grey Worm in love with Masandai. I think it's one of those things where they try to put it out of you, but the longer he's around people that he cares about and want, has a level of protection uh, in, like, that he needs to keep safe, I think those human emotions develop, in, like, like you said, I think it's something that he can develop over time, just like we saw with the Unsullied. The only difference between the Unsullied and Geralt is that there's some level of magical, mystical powers that witchers possess and can harness, where Unsullied just good warriors with a spear and swords yeah. and stuff. So I think it's more so along those lines. They were meant to, these witchers are bred to be the perfect weapon. They were supposed to be the monsters to fight the monsters. That was what their whole thing of being right. brought into the world was and created was. So... I think that's pretty much the case, is that uh, the more he's around, the more human emotions leak in, whether he wants them to or not, it's just it's just going to happen, you know, because before he was a witcher, he was a human, so just kind of like these Unsullied before, you know, yes, they were taken as babies, and so maybe don't have the best human experience, but, you know, as we saw, and as Game of Thrones progressed, these Unsullied, especially, specifically Grey Worm, started developing emotions and feelings towards Missandei, where that wasn't the thing back in season two when she acquired them, right? Yeah. No, it makes sense. Totally get it. Back to you, man. I'll let you take over from here. Yeah, sounds good. So they end up going to that festival, and Ciri's so happy. She's having a good time running all around, and Geralt and Yennefer are sitting, chatting with each other, and this is the first deep conversation they've had since Geralt essentially rid her off last season from doing that dumb shit of almost getting Siri killed but they're like I said sitting there and they're reminiscing on their old times and they even talk about their relationship together and you know how she like it wasn't real because she would leave and then she said well no you would leave sometimes too like were you just scared or whatever that he that of these things and you know, before they get too far, they realize that, uh, well, Cyril comes up and says they want to go into this maze. And so they all start walking into this maze. But as they kind of go in, we're hearing all these screams and people are sprinting out of the maze. And, of course, Cyril is alone, caught by herself because, you know, she's impatient as all hell like a child. And we see this really interesting monster. I didn't really know. I, I mean, obviously, I knew the name that they called it. Uh, they called it a jackapace. But what it looked like... It looked like a, a roly-poly. It looked like one of them little insects. But, uh, yeah, man, I don't really know how to explain this creature. 
It definitely had an outer shell that was hard, and it walked very much like an insect, but then it could shell up and curl up and then roll with some force and destruction behind it. So, I don't know. What, how would you describe this jackapace? You know what it reminded me of? If, like, uh, like a human centipede but with an anteater combine, and it was like a big anteater that could roll. Does that make sense? Yeah, I could see the anteater aspect of that, too, with its tongue in the face there. Yeah, it did kind of have an anteater aspect to it. It just was, you know, that's what we, we talk about this often, even in The Mandalorian, too. The, the cool thing with these monsters that they just developed, they just, like, put shit together you would never think of putting together, and it comes out pretty cool. But in any event, uh, they the monster attacks, and Siri tries to hold her own against it and she jumps she jumps on the branch there flips around and thinks that she's pushing it back with magic and she's like really excited she's like oh my gosh i'm controlling it but then realizes it's actually not her it's yennefer behind her using her magic so you're like shit surreal still doesn't have control over their magic yet we're thinking that might be the the time it certainly was not the time (laughs) so uh yennefer (laughs) went ahead and started pushing that thing back with magic then Geralt comes in and uh takes over and Starts doing the uh, the old dance with the sword, if you will, and ends up putting an end to the jacket pace. And uh, yeah, that was cool, man. I really one thing I really do appreciate about this whole episode, and we can talk more about it at the end, is just the 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 battle choreography has always been really really intense with The Witcher, and I thought it was really cool. I ended up killing this jacket pace, and uh, like I said, super badass. And now Siri's safe again, but they're all like. You see, <laughs> this is exactly what we're talking about. This is why we don't go to festivals. This is why we stay safe in the cabins because this kind of <laughs> shit happens. You know, imagine if she went by herself and she couldn't utilize that magic and all of a sudden, you know, she's fucked, right? But we end up learning a little bit about the jacket pace. Now, jacket pace is something that hunts through a blood scent. And that makes sense because when we saw Rienz on the screen and he had the file of Cirilla's blood, he opened it up and you could hear the, the thing before we were able to see it behind the door smashing against the door. Because that's the scent that it needed to find. And that's exactly what happened. So now, they realize that, listen, no matter where we go, he's got that file of blood. He's going to be able to find us, either through himself or through these other monsters and minions he's going to send. So we've got to fucking deal with this guy. Like, you know what? We just got we just got bite the bullet. We got bait him in, and we got to kill this motherfucker. So they plan to, they, uh, plan to draw out Rience by laying false trails and making it seem as if Cyril is alone. Basically using Cyril as bait. Right, and then from there the scene moves to Yaskir, and obviously you know he's always got some drama with the ladies. Every single time we turn around, you know he's getting kicked out of some girl's bed, or their husband's coming home, or he's upsetting some woman one way or another. And you know, just true to form, we get Yaskir on the scene for the first time <laughs> in season three, and he's downstairs, and this woman's throwing his clo- her, her uh, his clothes at him, throwing shit over the balcony, and just get screaming and. Calling him a cheater and stuff, telling him he's got a pockmarked dick and shit, like just all over the place. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny that no matter what is happening, Yaskier is always getting in trouble with these girls out there, man. And uh, while this is happening, Philippa, the mage from Redania, shows up and she brings uh, the king's brother, the, the prince of Redania, with her. And like I said, he seems really nice and tries to placate. Yaskir and talks about how Redania is the safest place for Cyril and really should consider that. And like I said, there's something about this guy. 
There's something about him. I don't know. I don't know yet. I haven't seen the entirety of the season of The Witcher. Chase and I really do try to go step by step with the episodes that we do when we put them out like this. So that way we're not talking about stuff we already know. So anytime you hear episodes, it's for what we see here in the moment, you know? So it, it, it was just from first glance, there's something weird about it because even after Philip, like they had this whole conversation just to jump ahead a, a second. He has this like look in his eye that I just don't trust. But anyways, uh, they ask Yaskier to assist them in getting a to Redania. He and Philippa says if he doesn't, she's gonna undo all the good deeds that Yaskier has done by bringing the elves to safety, and she's gonna kill all the elves that he brought. And gives him five days. He said, "You got five days. Get a Cirilla." <laughs> and from there, the scene moves to Geralt, and Yaskier finds them. And we all camp together. We have a little brief re-reunion of Yaskir and Yennefer. They had their fun little banter. You know, Cirilla's happy to see Yaskir and Geralt. You know, he acts grumpy, but, you know, you know Yaskir is a pal of his, whether he wants to admit it or not. So, I don't know. Did you, did you like that little reunion that they had there for the first time in Season 3? What would you think about it? Oh, it's great. Great to be back, man. It's, uh, I mean, I just don't really know how I feel about this Redania guy. Like, he kind of reminds me of, Peter Baelish in a way and I'll leave it at that back to you man <laughs> that's actually a great thing you know but I think we all started with the notion we probably shouldn't trust Peter Baelish where this guy I don't really yeah. know I just think in my head there's something wrong with him but I could be wrong it's just one of those things that we're gonna find out as we watch the series right so and and his name is Radovid right that's that's this guy's mm-hmm. name and who knows? We could be talking about. Uh, remember how I was mentioning before? I'm curious if Philippa and Dijkstra might arrange the murder of King Vizmir. Maybe this guy Radovid's going to take over, and he'll be the new king of Redania because he's a little slippery guy here. You know? Who knows? I don't know, dude. Like it's it, it, it's curious. It's something that maybe we can discuss. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I guess I'll, I'll I'll say that. What are your thoughts on it? My thoughts are I just find it very i mean i never want to say the word suspicious when it's hard for me to judge something i haven't seen very often but i just find it i guess ironic would be the word that he's just happening to show up in these perfect situations in the perfect time and place and then now he's you know they're throwing this little situation at hand where marie gold marigold whatever her name is is like demanding these things about Siri. So I just find it very interesting. He kind of reminds me of, he could honestly, if you think of it this way, he might be the person pulling the strings, but not wanting to sit in the front seat. If you think about it. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that is very possible. And some might even say probable. Maybe he's a little bit more smart or more intelligent than, everyone's giving him credit for maybe they think he's an idiot because he acts very laid back chill like he doesn't really care but maybe that's just a facade and really he's the mastermind behind a lot of shit and maybe some things are really about to hit the wall coming up who knows uh but to kind of get back into it we move back to Geralt and Yennefer and that they are at this I don't don't know if we call it a temple but they're at the ruins uh, of something it almost looks like the Colosseum in in certain ways, not the Colosseum. I'm sorry, like like the Parthenon, one of those columned, yeah. uh, you know, temples. And there's a statue of this elf called Elrin. And Geralt and Yennefer give this story to Cirilla about 
Aelorin in what her role is. And essentially, Aelorin led a battle, a desperate battle against humans because the humans were multiplying and they were killing. And she thought that she was going to be able to bring an end to it by fighting back and killing them. But just it was well outnumbered and didn't plan properly. Didn't think that the humans were as formidable as they turned out to be. Ended up leading all of her people to death. And, you know, so, yeah, she got a statue out of it, you know, because, you know, she fought for the ideal there. But, uh, obviously, we see what happened to the elven race after everything. And they're basically slaves in, in many situations. Uh, and they're considered second-class citizens in, in The Witcher. And that's why Geralt was sitting there telling her, like, yeah, <laughs> this is great. But, you know, we need to... We need to do more than just uh, have an idea about stuff. We, there's execution, and there's thinking about it. There's getting it done, and there's not getting it done. And she did not get it done. <laughs> what did you think about it? Yeah. Uh, my thoughts on this is, I mean, you can kind of really see in this scene where Cyrilla's intentions are very good. but, And I think it's a great in-game goal. But in a way, you can definitely see how I was saying before, she's still a young woman where she's, you know, because she still feels very emotional about situations, whereas Geralt being kind of her guardian here, it's ironic because, you know, as kind of the creature he is, he really has no emotions. So he's thinking very logically at things. Like, that sounds great. Like, that's excellent. I would love for that to happen. But let's be fucking realistic. <laughs> like, these people don't give a fuck about each other. Like, you're saying one princess. It, like, that's kind of like... It's very interesting. Because that's kind of like almost like how everyone else was to Danny at the beginning. When she had, like, nothing in a way. But think about it. I mean, I give Danny a little bit more benefits to the doubt because she was definitely a little bit more direct with kind of what her plan was Cirilla just kind of seems all over the place to me like she wants to get this done to bring peace to everything but in a way Geralt's like take the emotions out of it like how the fuck are you gonna do that like maybe you should just worry about yourself right now (laughs) is kind of what I think he's thinking but I, I like her intentions I just don't think you can tell she really hasn't had enough experience in the world so far because she's so young to have realistic expectations. Yeah, and to that point, it's one of those things where as they were continuing that conversation, they both Geralt and Yennefer tell her that the, like you mentioned, the reality of that and the, like your expectation versus reality is not going to align more likely than not but then Cirilla reminds Yennefer of a quote from ancient Elden Elvish about what is what what has been need not always be and that's I think that kind of hits them by surprise that she kind of that she went out of her way to remind them of something because she's saying well we can be different we can you know I've got you guys as help as helpers and we seem to be working towards a similar goal maybe with the ability of all of us we can get something moving in a different direction and and actually attain the peace and harmony that we want amongst everyone you know she talks to him about how she is part elf she is part human she wants to unite everyone she's 
part of both factions, and she's royalty. So she could be that balance. She could be what Anakin Skywalker was supposed to be. Supposed to bring balance to the Force, not throw it in darkness, you know? So You can try. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in this point, you know, the scene moves back to the elves, and there's still this bunch of tension between Francesca and Gallatin. And it, it, what's really weird here is we get to this... this I almost didn't know if they're gonna start fighting each other, right? He does. He looks at them and doesn't feed them right away. He's he's giving the food to everyone who fought and, and and attained this stuff. And she's like, "Well, hey, listen, we're all in this together. We're all fighting, but in different ways and different battles. Like we're all useful to the goal here." And he's like, "Well, well, then okay, then you go ahead and feed yourself with what you're being useful with." And she ends up almost appeasing to him. But it's a trap, and it's a lie. Not a trap, but it's it's a lie to kind of get what she wants. Uh, and we're going to see what that is in a little bit and how it does affect their relationship going forward as the elven population in total. So, uh, But he does end up finally sharing the food after they have that little bit of uh, awkward tension and conversation amongst them. She says that she will be with him and, and you know go with it from start to finish just as he requested of her and he said well you should get outside your tent more often that it made you realize that you know this is the way we got to go about it right so uh from there we go back to Geralt and Siri and they uh it's like Siri couldn't sleep so she went to the statue of Aileron and that's where like obviously we just already kind of talked about the full circle of all that but this they end up laying this trap they sense the presence of other people in the area and so what they do is Yennefer and Geralt they hide and make it seem as if Cirilla is alone and that's where Rience comes in with his henchmen or minions whatever you want to call them and at first they really do leave Cirilla all alone so that way they fully commit to whatever they've got and they start attacking her and you know Cirilla is doing a good job of deflecting and, and you know doing the best that she can knock people over obviously she's not killing anyone and she's not doing you know she's not a one force machine like Geralt is when he starts fighting but she's doing enough to keep them at bay while they all come into that central area and then boom that's when Yennefer and Geralt come out and they start whooping some fucking ass this is one of the coolest battle scenes that I've seen in the Witcher so far because then you think that's over and all of a sudden the elves coming out of nowhere it was just it was pandemonium man <laughs> it's chaos right <laughs> in the center of this old temple that was cool as shit but yeah, like I said, it was this really sick battle. Uh, did you see the dwarves fighting the elves and Geralt fighting Rience? And there's this portal that opens up, and Rience realizes because he realizes he's the shit. I gotta get the fuck out of here. I did not, I am not prepared to handle Yennefer and Geralt. So he tries to dip and close the portal. Yennefer's like, Nah, we're not closing this portal. Shit, staying open. Geralt dives through that portal there and. He ends up getting fire blasts at him around the wall, and he's sitting there and, you know, while the fire's coming past. He's like, all right, let me just wait this out here until this, this shit stops. And then it pans back to Yennefer, and she's sitting there knocking people over while keeping the portal open one-handed, throwing people behind her with her back in. She's doing some sick magic shit. It's fucking dope. <laughs> I had a really, she's a little <laughs> badass right there, knocking motherfuckers over. Then Francesca, obviously the leader of us, she's like, "Oh, you call yourself an elf," and she even knocks her ass over. And, and the the guy that that we keep having this conversation with, he's like, "Yo, we gotta get out of here. Like, we are not in a good position. You keep killing us. You keep putting us in positions where our race keeps dying." And that and that's when 
it, like, uh, Geralt realizes he doesn't have time to finish Rience off. So what he ends up doing, he ends up breaking Rience's hands where the portal is so he can't use any magic by fire and dives through the portal again. Yennefer is able to shut that portal and then Geralt goes to town, kills everyone. Kills humans, kills fucking elves, doesn't straight up massacre until they all retreat and Cyril is safe and that was you know, the whole goal. He didn't want to have to kill all these people, but he's like, yo, it's like, if you're going to try taking Cirilla here, this, this is the consequence, man. Y'all, y'all thought, y'all thought it was sweet, but here I am, and we're whipping some ass now. So, I thought that was fucking badass. I, like, what did, like, in this battle, and all this was going on, what did you think about it? Because, like, actually, before I ask you that question, one of the biggest aspects, too, is, obviously, Francesca's leader of the elves, and that makes her brother a prince of the elves. And Geralt, Stabbed the prince through the heart, killed him, killed Francesca's brother. But you know that's the that's the way the cookie crumbles. You guys thought you were doing something, and, you know, and that's the consequences of your actions. You know, so and now we're giving this context that one of the prominent members in the Elven community is dead, like the prince of it, Francesca's younger brother. He's no longer around. She led him into his death. Geralt killed him. Where do we think this is going to go in terms of now are all the elves going to be against all the witchers? Is this now is this going to cause an additional race war here? Or now are all the elves going to split from there? Like I guess we're going to find out. But in any event, what do you think about the whole battle scene and, and how cool it was? Did you think that it was one of the better battle scenes that you've seen in that, throughout the series of The Witcher? It's one of the greatest battle scenes I've ever seen of all time, honestly. And I wasn't expecting it for what I've expected from this season. And I think that's really, really helped out a lot because I truly enjoyed watching this. This is fucking awesome. One of my favorite quotes was actually in this battle scene when it first happens. So first of all, I got to give Siri her credit here because this is where it really showed her training has started to work and pay off. If she tried to do this shit at the beginning of last season, before she went to Care More In and went through that fucking training course, no. Like, she would have been, like, on the back of a horse like she was in season one, getting carried off. It, she took on five guys and was able to hold her own. And right before uh, Rience had her, like, captured and, like, shot that flame bolt at her, that's when it was sick. Yennefer and Geralt just start walking out because he had fallen into their plans. And Yennefer said, one of, I, it was kind of cheesy, but it was one of the most badass lines, in my opinion. One of my favorite quotes of all time. She said, last time I beat you with my wits, this time I'll beat you with my magic. And she stops it with the shield, throws it back, and it, like, blasted him back. And she, like, saves Siri that way. And I counted when Geralt ran through that fucking portal to get back to Siri. And this shows, again, how much of a fucking father figure he is to her. I counted. That motherfucker stabbed and slayed 12 guys to try to get to her while she was on the run. Like, holy shit, it was fucking awesome. And uh, you did have that one point where, like, Yak Seer, you thought he got shot with an arrow. So they were kind of worried at the end there. So you kind of had, like, that one moment, like, oh, shit, are we about to lose one of our big guys? And Gerald's like, you have nothing to worry about. Like, it hit your ukulele or whatever the fuck it was. It's called a loot, man. It's called a loot. <laughs> what was it called? The loot. L-U-T-E. That's the loot. No disrespect to the loot. Whatever. I called it a guitar, I think, in my notes or whatever. But it was just like sick, man, because his battle had it all. You had Francesca that had a personal vendetta against uh, Yennefer that was there. But they were there to get Siri, and they didn't know they were showing up. 
But then you had Geralt, Yennefer, and Ciri that planned for Rience to be there. And Rience really had no fucking idea the whole time because he's just a fucking idiot. Not intelligent, but he can wield fire, which makes him fucking dangerous. And he had his little minions that anyone could kick ass. And you had the dwarves, Yarpin, man. I got to give Yarpin credit. Like I said, you know, I'm never a dwarf guy. I'm definitely the elf guy on this show, as you know. But uh, I got to give him credit, man. They, they whipped some ass, especially when Ciri started kind of struggling there while she was on the run. So this battle was one of those things, like, it, it really had it all. And I got to say, like, this first episode with the action, like, yeah, I mean, there's always details we can pick out. But the fucking battle scene, in my opinion, was constructed down to the T. Like, I really never didn't find any flaws in that battle scene specifically. Like, it was fucking sick. And one part, uh, sorry to interrupt you here, just one of those in there, because it was just an interesting how intricate these battle scenes are. Geralt, when he, like, there was a guy running for Ciri. The first guy he killed, he throws the knife through, and you don't know who it came from when Yennefer first walked out. And it was Geralt. He picked up the knife in his throat and killed the next guy with it, like took it out of the body. And then when Yennefer needed a sword against Francesca, she took that out of a body to go against Francesca and the elves. So it was just like fucking sick. Like the little details like that, I think really make battle scenes entertaining. But back to you, Jane Ellie. Yeah, it was a great battle scene. I, I guess I enjoyed it. And I will give Yaskier this credit. He did take an arrow in the back shoulder. So it's not like he fully left unscathed. He was worried because who knows how deep that arrow went in. But thankfully it seemed as if it wasn't too bad because he has another important part here before this episode closes out. So uh, after the battle, Yennefer, Geralt, and Ciri, they go back to that little safe house and they're talking about it. Yennefer starts mentioning how the, the portal was different and how... It was dark and almost took her over a little bit, and she still was feeling the effects. And she comes to the conclusion that the, there was more rogue mages, like someone more powerful is puppeteering Rience and getting him to do these things for him, but that obviously this guy is not the, the big bad, that he's just kind of the minion in a way. And so Yennefer thinks that Cirilla should go to Eratuza. Initially, Geralt is against the idea, but she tells him i don't have the ability to do this myself there's there's things that to say can can teach that i just don't right and they obviously and, and chase had made mention of this character forming he made mention of her last name so tris marigold like so tris marigold is another one that you know came from there and who plays an important role in the mages that you know that's to say obviously is the the teacher there and we've got a bunch of mages now she's telling Geralt that this is really the only way that she sees uh, that Cyrilla might be able to harness it because, you know, as, as good of a teacher that she might be, there's just things that she cannot do in the environment that they're at, where Eratus was specifically built to train mages, right? So, at this point, Geralt is talked into it. He tells them they're going to split up because Geralt doesn't want to go with them. He thinks he's got to finish this fire mage up. Hey, she's, he's got the blood file of Ciri. I got to get this guy out of the picture here and we'll not, we're not going to be safe in its entirety, but we're going to feel a little bit more comfortable while we're on the move since I don't have to worry about this tracing aspect of everything. So he's makes the decision that he's going to find Rience and he's going to take out Rience and they're going to meet up afterwards. So that's when the scene goes back 
to the elves, and they're singing over their dead. And the uh, and Galton is mad, and he starts talking to the other elves, and he, he was saying, I think the biggest quote that I took away from here is he he said. Uh, that he is going to go and get help from an old friend. So we don't know who this old friend is, but now all these elves are piled up and they're dead. They're already not in the greatest shape as it was, traveling through the woods, losing numbers of their own while they're trying to rob people along the highways and stuff. It's gotten to the point he, he's had enough. He's like, listen, we've lost too many elves' lives. Francesca is the reason because she's so dead set on finding Cirilla that she's not seeing that she's destroying like our our people by, just by trying to get one person that, that she thinks is going to save it all. So I'm going to go get help from an old friend. wonder who the heck this old friend is, though, because that guy probably, guy or girl, is going to play an important role going forward. But I thought that was really important to notate. And that's where uh, the scene goes back to Geralt. He says his goodbyes to Cirilla and Yennefer. And him and Yennefer get real close. You almost think they're going to kiss. And it seems as if that ice wall that he put up has melted a little bit. You know, thought out. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that they are gonna have a chance after all. You know, she kind of ruined it last season, but after all, she's been trying all the work that she's been putting into it. You know, it was funny because even earlier in this episode, she made a funny joke about it. she's like, "See what happens when you give people second chances." You know, so you know, this is this is her chance to make good on it. They're gonna split up, and if she's able to keep Cirilla safe and, and able to make it so Cirilla is, gets to Eratusa and learns how to properly control magic the way that Yennefer does. Maybe Geralt has no more that he can complain about, and they're going to get back to good graces. So, you know, obviously right now the wall's still there a little bit, but you can see that we're, we're, uh, we're, we're chipping away little by little. So I thought, uh, you know, that was really great. It seems that they're starting to patch things up. What did you think about that scene there? Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are Yennefer definitely had some uh, rekindling intentions. I mean, she brought it up every now and then in this episode you know she would show up at the door with the wine they even brought it up in this episode Yarpin uh, needed to be a little more subtle according to Geralt at one point uh, and basically said hey you know y'all are getting back together here so we'll we'll see where it goes I mean it, it's interesting it's kind of like but here's my honest thoughts I still think Geralt is kind of seeing her as, like, the bad ex-girlfriend right now. Like, there's still, you know, flickering memories that's in his mind that probably brings up that time in the past. But in the end, man, like, this is, like, you stepped on the one, you stepped over the one fence you're not supposed to cross. Like, you, there's probably, arguably, honestly, there's one person in this entire show that's closer to Geralt than Yennefer. And it's the one girl you fucking kidnapped. <laughs> like, that's my problem here. So, like, I don't know where this is going to go. Like, you crossed the one boundary, man. You ate the fucking apple from the tree. <laughs> it's the one thing you weren't supposed to do. So, who knows where it's going to go. And I think it's working a little bit. But you can definitely tell, like, Geralt still, she, he still doesn't think, it's still she's not the number one fan she used to be like there's still some tension there because you crossed the one boundary you had one rule here and you fucked it up (laughs) that's my thought man for sure and so now to get into the few closing sequences of the episode the scene moves over to yaskir and he's secretly meeting with uh the prince of redania 
like the Radovic guy that we were talking about, and Philippa. And he says that he will do it. That he will go ahead and, and bring it, it, at least his attempt is going to get Siri brought to Redania because they made Redania sound fairly safe. Uh, he says you do it because Siri's in danger, and it seems like the safest of all the options. You need to, uh, but his end of the bargain is that they have to get rid of Rients, and that it will have earned Siri and Geralt's trust. You know, we're going to talk about this a little bit because I don't know. I, you know, Yaskier doesn't seem the kind of guy who thinks things through in this sort of way. So I, part of me wonders if this was a a plan. You know, I don't know. But we'll, maybe we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But from there, the scene moves back to Yennefer and Siri. They're traveling together alone without Geralt. And there's that narration going on where it's as if Yennefer's writing to Geralt again on notes. And even Geralt is writing his own notes back. And he essentially tells Yennefer that he believes that she will get to the point where he can trust her again. So, you know, that door is not fully closed, man. They, they still have the opportunity for that budding romance to uh, take off. And, you know, instead of just the, uh, the old physical aspect of it, Maybe they can really get to a, a good place emotionally in some support, some form of stability. Uh, that that will that, that, that's possible. But who knows? Maybe one of them will fuck it up again. There's you know, I it's tough because right this as of right now, this is the last season of The Witcher that we know of, and maybe that they are able to come to terms on certain things. They go go further, but uh, you know we're running out of time. See, we're running out of time for you guys to stop playing this old grab ass. You know, we got we got, we got to play this old little dance song and dance. We gotta get into that point. You gotta make something happen, guys. But in any event, the uh, the scene starts shifting, and as the scene's shifting, you see Stregobor over the the battlements of this tower. Then you see uh, Rience, and someone is turning Rience's hands back, and he snaps his fingers, and he's got his fire magic back. Who was that person who, who fixed him? We don't know. It was in the shadows. So that, and they, as these scenes are kind of crossing the screen, it's really interesting. And then it ends up falling into the King of Nilfgaard. And if you guys remember from last scene, it's Amir. And if you remember Amir, he is Cirilla's father, who everyone had presumed dead long ago when Cirilla's mother and Cirilla's father went out to sea and they were they never came back. They were presumed dead. Well, obviously, we found that out last season that Amir is in fact um, Dooney, who is Cyril's father, and he's still alive, but he's the king of Nilfgaard, and he has a way of going about things that are not in, in, you know, not in tune with what the, the Cyrilla and Geralt and Yennefer would go about doing things. Someone says if he wants to take over and, and win it through war and bloodshed, and then bring Cyrilla back home, where you know, everyone's like, hey, how about we just don't do that <laughs> you know and so yeah. like, it's like Nilfgaard wants to take over everything and that was the whole the issue with them in the first place but in any event the episode closes with Amir he's burning pictures of his old life he's, you know, his wife that died so his mother burning that picture burning a picture of, I think of, it's of himself and he gets to the part where you can see it's a baby picture of Cirilla and when I say pictures guys I mean like old school oil paintings uh, he's about to throw that into the fire as well and then decides you know what He's going to keep it. So he, he grabs it, turns away from the fire, and starts walking back towards the camera, front face, and that's where the episode closes off as he carries out Cirilla's baby picture. And like I said, that's the end of the episode, man. But is there anything that you want to add to that? Anything that you, that you felt that needed to be uh, touched on before we get into our takeaways? No, man, I, I thought you killed it. I mean, I, I think this episode 
I mean, one little thing I would say is it did show Eratusa for a little bit towards the end there, uh, kind of reminding us of Tisea a little bit. Or T- that's her name, right? Tisea. That's there. I did get the name right. <laughs> I almost mixed it up with Tris. Yeah, Tisea. But um, so kind of reminding you too again that remember and they talked about this a little bit in the episode yennefer's not on good terms with Tisea, so that's going to be interesting how that plays out so it's like there's no good solution for what they have to do now so which kind of brings us uh where we're at um so we'll see we'll see how it goes i did put this little bit of dialogue for Geralt's letter because it kind of gives a little bit of foreshadowing i have a question about it he says, Dear friend, you asked about Bellatin if I left after all those good nights because I was scared. Perhaps I was. Perhaps that's what it led me to this very moment. Now, for the first time, I understand real fear. Never seeing you in Syria again. Much is uncertain on this continent. The dangers we be seen foretell an even more menacing future. But, Yen, please know. I will learn to trust you again. You, Siri, and I, we belong together. Your friend, Geralt. And I'll talk about that in my debate, but it seems like they've been throwing some foreshadowings here, and it kind of even gives us, like, a moment of, wow, like, is this our finale about to happen? Like, is this, like, really about to happen? Is this the way this season is going to fucking go? So, I mean, I don't know. I Definitely, I feel like the season's already starting off on a really dark turn. Uh, I mean, like I said, the action's badass. I absolutely love the episode. There were not a whole lot of plot holes. It had everything kind of ganging up into once. It's just almost like, wow, like we already kind of got to this point. It's like the small battle of three armies, (laughs) you can say, instead of battle of five armies. So... We'll see what happens, man. I love the episode, though. I thought it was great. What about you? Yeah, my takeaways are very similar in the fact that I feel the episode had a little bit of everything to keep me really uh, focused and engrossed in, 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 in it. We had the whole plot of still trying to get Cirilla to learn this magic, get her to her full potential. We have them you know, on the run from all of these factions and armies and countries searching for Cirilla. We got... The part where she's almost found and, and kidnapped, uh, or at least, you know, but some because remember, some factions want to kill her, some factions want to kidnap her, and want someone to use her for whatever ends to whatever means. So it's just that, that whole monster that attacked her in the maze that happened there. Then you had the trap that they laid for Rienz, and as you mentioned, one of the cooler battle scenes I've seen in quite some time in fantasy fiction. It was really, really dope, and and but it didn't take away from the storyline or like the plot of them constantly trying to move from place to place for safety while they're training Cyril to get to that point where eventually they're going to make the decision of how they're going to reintroduce her into the world, what, what side I don't want to say what side that she's going to take but basically what uh, she ends up what her symbol as an individual is, is she going to be you know, joining the elves, is she going to be joining back with her father trying to convince them to uh, you know, stop this whole world domination thing that he's got going on in his head and or is she just going to try to revive Sintra and be the queen of Sintra and bring that people back to its formal glory you know so who knows where like what uh under what direction they're going to go but the episode didn't take away from that it's still it's like that slow build up 
and they weren't rushing anything. They didn't just throw a bunch of cool visuals at us to make us be like, oh, cool. You know, it was really well thought out and well, it played out really well too. So I really enjoyed it. It for a first episode of the third season, I yeah, it was one like I like I said one of the better episodes that I've seen in a, in a long time. I never had a lot of issues with most of the Witcher episodes. I think that it's a really well done show, and that's why it's so sad that it's potentially going to change or come to an end. So obviously we're seeing the fruits of the labor of yeah we're following the source material we're doing this we got Henry Cavill we got the right lead for this and we're coming out with these fucking bangers and now you want to change it this is fucking bullshit <laughs> but, yeah, uh, let's call it what it is man this episode was a fucking banger like I don't give a fuck about the drama like if you look at it just for the episode and what it was if we didn't have in our mind that this might be like the end or things are going to change very drastically like if this was part of the plan fuck we would be like this is fucking like damn the witcher's back like they are releasing fucking bangers right now and so honestly it's a shame like we even have this in the back of our mind with the drama that has gone on with this because damn like it it was fucking awesome and one thing i'll say is one thing i loved about how i feel like this was executed correctly is a lot of um a lot of uh, franchises when they do battle scenes like this they try to make it they try to figure out some complicated way so then it works so then they're all together this didn't do that they found a solution with the jack of pace and that's how they were going to draw them out and we knew the elves were already trying to get that way but then you already have that mini elf conflict there going on with Francesca and her new guy Galliant which is interesting so it opened up a lot of new questions, but didn't take away from the fact that they needed to release on a fucking banger for this season. And, and I give them props, man. Let's let's uh, call a spade a spade. It was fucking awesome is what it was. Yeah, I agree. It was a very enjoyable episode to watch. And I think you said it best when you said if we didn't have any notion that this could be changing very drastically coming soon, we would have in your words been like yeah the witcher's back like this is, this is the way to way to kick off this next season the series is cool and remember way back in season one i said oh this is definitely netflix's answer to game of thrones and you know not, yeah. nothing that i saw in the first episode here led me to believe that it's moving anywhere away from that it's getting better and better but problem is we know what's coming down the line or like we, we not we, we don't we that's actually more of the issue is we don't know what's coming down the line i think yeah. you know so yeah in any event dude, let's go ahead and kick us into some debates i'll let you go ahead and start us off there I got a big one, so this might take you some time. I don't know if you want to kind of write this down in your notes. It's not that detailed, but it is a three-parter. It's a pretty simple three-parter. But the first one is actually with Francesca, with Francesca and Galliant now. Uh, one, where do you think, what's her objective here with siding with Galliant? Why do you think that's a good idea? Uh, and then I'll get into the other two questions, so you can take them on one at a time. Well, I don't think she did side with Gallatin. I think uh, the whole issue with Gallatin is that that's why he went off to say he's going to get some help from his old friend. That it's because she tricked him. She made it seem like he they were going to work together, and then that's when she led them to where Cirilla was, and they ended up joining that battle out of nowhere when it was initially just Rients and his minions trying to attack Cirilla. And then the elves came in, and the dwarves tried to you know take up and, and help 
uh, Geralt and Yennefer on that end. So she really didn't work with him. She she placated him so that way he wouldn't cause a uh, uproar in the camp, I think, and then played him to the point where all this happened and now all these elves are dead. And Galatin's like, no, nah, see, she's the one that that lives. The Cyril is not the problem. That's you know, he was speaking to uh, uh, the other elf that was with Cyrilla in season one when they were uh, on the run. That they found the little boy with the hat. Obviously, he's grown into more of a, of a man now. But uh, he was saying how Cyrilla brings death and destruction wherever she goes. And Galatin's like, nah, bro. Actually, it's Francesca. She's the one that led us here, and that's the problem. So. I don't think she did take a side. I honestly think that's going to be a really interesting piece of this. Are we going to have this internal battle, almost a, an elvish civil war, where some are going to agree with what Gallatin wants to do and some are going to agree with Francesca wants to do, and you know they're going to end up kind of fighting themselves out of the picture. That's kind of more so the the vibe that I got from there. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I, I understand that too. I, I definitely agree with you on that point part that it was definitely kind of a play um i'm just interested to see kind of what the course of action is at this very moment it kind of felt like to me phil evandrel's almost like taking a back seat we saw him like taking fucking charge and being the fucking badass he was last season and now he's over here like putting up with bullshit from gallatin that's like basically a lieutenant like you're talking about the guy that's basically king of elves and like that'd be i mean you're literally talking about what's his fucking name that's over Rivendell that's Arwen's dad. What's Elrond? Elrond, that's what I was thinking of. You're talking about literally if Elrond was taking answers from Legolas. Like what the fuck is going on right now? So I don't know. What just to finish off that question, what do you think the deal is with that? Like why is he taking a back seat here? Is it part of a plan or do you think he feels like Overwhelmed, or do you think he's going to eventually be overtaken? Well, keep in mind, he they had a level of a vote, and Phil Evandro led them all into a really bad thing, like well before the Witcher series began, and that's why Francesca is leading all the elves right now. So, yes, in title, he's the king, but all ruling power is, is essentially Francesca's, and, and the decision making is Francesca's. So, I think he's more so giving her her chance to do what to be the leader and that's why he's taking a back seat and so while this Galton guy is kind of getting his face about he's he's kind of in the in between you know he doesn't know which way to go he's like yeah I, I can see what you're saying here but at the end of the day Francesca is the one leading this and I she's my wife <laughs> number one and they just <laughs> killed our child last season number two so we need to but you know that, that, that's kind of our goal here is to make sure these people pay for killing our child and obviously bringing the elves back into where they're not nomadic and Galton's sitting there saying I don't mind that but what you're going about it is all wrong you're going to lead us into oblivion like that but what we're, we're the way we're going about this like your end goal isn't bad but the way you're going about it is going to fuck us all and so that that's where I think it kind of goes in is that Phil Evangel really doesn't know what to do it almost, almost seems like he's going to stick by Francesca just because she is his wife and Gallatin's like, well, then you guys do what you got to do, and I'm going to do what I got to do. And that's, that's <laughs> where I feel like that's left at. I can see it. I got to say, Gallatin, man, like he's a beast on the battlefield. He was whipping ass when he was out there. Question two. With this whole thing with Jack Seer, Yak Seer and, you know, this whole 
stuff going on with the prince and they're wanting him to do something do you think he agreed to that because he's actually trying to play them or do you think maybe he's actually scared or do you think he's out for himself i couldn't see jackson doing that just from the time we've seen him so i think maybe he's trying to play them but i don't know he's definitely not he he's it's hard to really predict how firm and wavering he is because i don't see him really as a conflict guy in my opinion yeah uh i think this is a tough one and this was almost going to be my debate verbatim was that interaction with with the yaskier so i'm glad we're going to talk about it now it's just i i don't believe that yaskier would get to the point that he defies Geralt again because that's what led them to having their whole blowout and going their subways the first time is you know he made choices that Geralt was not cool with and I think Yaskier finally got to the point where like all right I, I can trust Geralt to make the right choices here so it would be very strange to me if all of a sudden because of that one battle that they had yes here's like okay guys we can't be doing this so i'll help you out and we'll we'll get her to you because you guys can keep her the safest and then making that own decision on his own doesn't seem like something he would be willing to try at this stage in his relationship with Geralt, yennefer and cirilla so if you ask my opinion on it i would say it's more of a a plan but not his plan i would say maybe Geralt brought him to the side and, and, and like maybe they had a side conversation and Geralt said okay this is what we're going to do because the whole his whole end of the bargain was telling him you need to get rid of Rienz and that will build Siri and Geralt's trust so it might be just a plan to one way or another whether it's Geralt that finds and kills him or if Philippa and uh, Radvindic or whatever you call the Prince of uh, Redania's name there uh, if they kill him, regardless, Rance is dead, and that's one of the things that they don't have to worry about anymore. So I could see it being a double crossing of Philippa and the Prince of Redania that Yaskier is doing that on orders from Geralt, and we just didn't see that take place. That would make more sense to me than him just randomly being like, all right, you know what? Here we go. I don't think they can handle it. And it's. It could be. He is kind of an idiot sometimes, so maybe. But I just, if you were to have me guess, I would guess that it was part of their plan all along is to trick Redanian into thinking that they could be on their side so that way they're doing their dirty work as opposed to being another one of the countries that are chasing them down. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, because as I was saying before, I don't really see Jack Sear as a conflict guy or someone that could really make that decision on his own not that he's not intelligent but like you said he doesn't really think things through so if he did he was just acting on impulse but odds are you know Geralt's always one step ahead of the game I don't truly believe Yennefer is and we certainly know Ciri's not with how she just does things and runs off into festivals but what I will say is I think Geralt probably thought that through because he's been around the block a few times. Uh, and it's just ironic, very ironic, that the pieces fall into play that they decide to get Yaxir involved in all this. So I, that's my personal opinion. I think there's something else going on because I couldn't see him really crossing Geralt after all that history they have. Um, last debate here is based on that 
dear friend letter that Geralt ended with after, you know, you have a dear friend with Yennefer and everything that was trying to rekindle their relationship. But you see now that they're both splitting apart. Do you think this is the last time we see them together in this season? Do you think this is really the writers trying to foreshadow the end of an era? No, I don't think this is the last time we'll see them together this season. We're probably going to get, maybe in the last episode or the second to last episode, them reuniting and coming to this big old whatever, right? We don't know what's coming because we don't know if there's going to be another season of The Witcher, if there is another season of The Witcher, what that's going to look like. So I would just assume that for the big climax of this season, where it all comes to a head, I think that they end up fighting alongside each other whether it's one comes in later than the other you know I, I just I don't think this is the last time that they see each other in this series or season if that makes sense yeah I feel like you would have to I mean I do agree with you on that because I feel like wow like talk about kind of robbing us of those final moments like we only get that in this one episode um, but it my personal opinion I think they're trying to drop hints here that it could very look very different in the future and this is how they're trying to spin it almost like they're trying to push now more of a Yennefer Siri relationship like we might get something different in the future as far as um, the relationship with Geralt and Siri with however that looks um, because now they're almost pushing more of the the Yennefer side, and that's going to be how they're trying to propel the show more. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I do think this season is already starting to push off more of a darker tone. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think the whole series is kind of darker. The very first episode was playing through a reversal of the fall of Sintra, where that the whole dad figure of Cyrilla caught an arrow through the eye Calanthe like the grandmother she <laughs> yeah. is slaying these things and she ends up getting you know killed too like, it, it, it just yeah it's not something that has a light tone to it I don't think it ever has so I feel it's just continuing along with its theming of uh, shit's gonna get bad until it gets better that's that's pretty much it I don't, I don't think it's any worse than the other ones I mean what last season what's his face uh uh Geralt's mentor and father figure died, right? Like, you know, it's just one of those things. I uh, I don't see it um, really changing. I think it's been dark. I think the tone is very similar to how it's been. Uh, yeah, that's that's just how I see it on that end, unless you've got anything else that you, you wanted to add to that. No, man. Any debates for the day or any thoughts? Yeah, I do have one thing I want to discuss just a little bit. So we, we've got so many factions and countries coming after Cirilla in one way or another. Obviously got Nilfgaard, which is headed by Amir, that is Cirilla's biological father. We've got in Redania. We've got Aretuza, the mages. We've got the elves and Francesca. My question is, do you think by the time this series is over... We're just going to have an all-out royal rumble until one's left standing? Or do you think that we're going to have a side that we're going to take and that, that side is going to maybe bring 
more maybe instead of having like you said the war of all these factions similar to Game of Thrones where you know Rob Stark had an army Renly had an army Stannis had an army Joffrey had an army the King Beyond the Wall had an army you know like are we going to get instead of all that are we going to get to the point where they start joining a bit where maybe I don't know like I said this is the whole point of Cirilla coming back to Sintra bringing and, and restoring Sintra to his former glory so then maybe the mages will fall in line with them and we bring maybe Redania along or whatever. Point being, are we going to get to this point where it's just an all-out world rumble or do we think we're going to end up fusing into two sides and we're going to try to pick a side from there? Uh, yeah, I think the writing's already on the wall with fusing two sides and picking a side from there to answer your question directly because otherwise I feel like Cirilla wouldn't be having how she mentioned the dream she had in this episode and, and they were talking to her about you know, Yennefer was talking to her about Francesca. Um, I think eventually Cirilla is going to try to leverage her ability with being, you know, part elf and part, um, you know, on the other side. However, she's going to try to do that. And you're going to get basically two sides fighting against one. Now, I mean, I know she comes from Nilfgaard, but I honestly think it's going to wind up being those two sides against Nilfgaard is what I honestly think it is. And I personally think it's probably going to be like Eratuza and the elves are going to team up against Nilfgaard, which in the end, I still think Nilfgaard probably has the upper hand. Where does that leave Redania, though? Because you, you still got that guy in Redania with uh, Dijkstra and, and Philippa. So where does that leave them? You know, they join That's up with Nilfgaard? Like, Peter Baelish's. Are they going to end up you know, coming in and saying, all right, we're going to join Nilfgaard to do this? Because if the mages and the elves join up together and that's the side that we're gonna pick with Siri and Geralt and it can't just be everyone against Nilfgaard because they wouldn't last so if we're thinking about fusing the two sides together someone's got to join Nilfgaard's side and, and the only one that would make sense not make sense it would be uh, would be Redania but Redania doesn't make sense because it's almost like they want to be the, the superpower of the continent so I don't know that's like a, that I guess where do they come into play and is it a battle of three instead of a battle of five? Do like you know, I don't know. I will, I do think it'd be kind of sick to be honest with you. I, I don't want to steal your thunder here of of answering that question, but I do kind of think it would be sick to just see an all-out royal rumble and the last one left standing is what wins. Like I don't ever think we'll ever see that in any fantasy fiction thing. Period. It's usually going to be all right. We're going to join this side because we agree with these ideals and we're going to try to build this in the future. And you know, and these people are the antagonists and they're coming against us and they need to fuse together to have a chance. Like you know, basically we all come together have a chance against the other side you know but i think it would be cool eventually to have just one big bloodbath where everyone's killing everyone and whoever's left that's what's 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 left so but i don't know so what is like get back to that question though what what role is redani going to play if we think Nilfgaard's going to be the big bad are they going to join up with Nilfgaard? and you know do you assume that the mages are going the mages and elves are going to join together what where does this leave each current faction that's in play right now yeah, back to your side note. I think if that happened, it would be fucking badass to see. But I feel like Geralt would go call back his boys from Kaer Morin. You're going to get all the old witchers there. And then, I don't know about you, I'm taking the witcher's side. <laughs> Sorry, like, that's the that's the last people standing. I don't give a fuck about anyone else. <laughs> like, they can figure it out from there. But I'm picking the side that I know is going to survive. And there's only one side that was 
created to fight magic and monsters and then the other one yeah they got a big ass army but it's a bunch of men and then elves yeah they well, have magic but don't forget about the old race of morog man those things are coming the, the whole apocalypse oh, dear lord shit, like, yeah that's a whole nother thing <laughs> well who who else can stand up against them the only one that would be the final battle right there would yeah. be the race and the witchers so that's basically what that is but uh yeah i think it'd be fucking sick to see that but what do i think about dijkstra and his minions over in redonia and all that stuff redonia is that where they're R- from? redania like yeah what is their role <laughs> like if you think it's going to be two sides fused together do you think that nilfgaard and redania fused together or do you think that you know the elves end up taking nilfgaard's side and it's elves and nilfgaard versus redania and you know the other side that you get the mages that that's the other one like where are we where are we at here you know I personally think that Nilfgaard is going to try to use the Redanians to their advantage. And then I think that uh, before this whole teaming up happens, that's when you're going to have these little factions before they've teamed up. Like, you're going to have problems over in Eratusa that's going to find out, and then you're going to have factions over with stuff like Geralt, and uh, I know Ciri's broken away now, but whatever the situation is whether it's in the future whether it happens in the season now you're gonna have stuff with Yennefer and Ciri and her group and then Geralt and his group and they're gonna have to fight against this like this is kind of like the small battle going on now uh but then eventually I personally feel like the Rudanians are more like the Peter Baelish style right now from what I see for them. So think about Peter Baelish. Like, he never quite, he never made it to the long night. He never made it to that final battle at King's Landing, man. So that's what I think. I think eventually they're going to pull some shit. And I think they're going to fuck shit up really bad. Like, I think it's going to be kind of like that White Worm style. Like, yeah, what was her name? I can't remember her name. Damon's Girl from House of the Dragon that's fucking shit up right now. But I think it's going to be something like that, where they got some shit going on in the inside, and eventually they're going to piss off the wrong person after they fuck shit up so bad, and they're going to take them out. So I don't think they'll be there at the end, but I think that's, you know, we're going to see how far Dijkstra gets. He's been pissing me off for years, man. Yeah, it's funny. You know, that's I, I think that you might be onto something with like a lot of infighting between each faction. Obviously, we're already seeing it with the elves. Like, uh... Gallatin and Francesca are at each other's necks. And then, you know, obviously King Vizmir is not on the same page as Dijkstra and Philippa because they're meeting in secret and they've got the prince that they're going to be assisting. in. well, basically the prince is assisting them in getting Cirilla. So maybe there's going to be some infighting there. And then, in, you know, obviously they already had the issue with the elves and Nilfgaard earlier. So it's just one of those things the infighting could cause a problem. And then, and then on top of that, the mages too. Think about it. Stregobor, and the, he has that issue with the the new newly minted Tessaia and and I forget is it Vilgefortz? Is that yeah Vil, yeah Tessaia and Vilgefortz as the you know leaders of the mages? But Stregobor, uh, and and the other one that was like the old school ones. Like they they've got tension there too. So there's a lot of potential for infighting on all of these factions. And yeah, I guess it really could come come down to you know what what. Uh, what's kind of left after that infighting's done so yeah no i i think that's uh yeah it's just gonna be interesting to see if we even get to see what what this all come, comes down to at the very end all be all but yeah that was kind of my my debate is just curious do we think this is going to be just an all royal rumble or are we going to get fused teams of what's left of each faction and that it's going to be the final 
And then maybe these monsters from the different dimensions, these Raids of Morag, do we have to team up almost similar to the Long Night against these fuckers? Like, you know what I mean? So it seems like there's just a lot of ways to go about it. But uh, yeah, man, did you have anything else you wanted to, to add to it? Or did no, man, that's it. I mean, that's an interesting question, though. Think about the Wraiths of Morag that we haven't even thought about yet. Like, that's a beast on its own. Imagine if they fucking possessed Yennefer. Like, Siri, imagine the power she had when she was still progressing. Not even where she is now. Imagine if they got Yennefer at her full force. Like, we're fucked. <laughs> Siri, like, took on all the Witchers, including Geralt. <laughs> and then Yennefer, with her power right now... Who knows, man? I don't. I don't know. Even if the race of Morwag, they imagine if they possessed everyone at Eratusa, the world's fucked. <laughs> so, like, who knows, man? But with that, I'll let you close us out. Really, sounds like a plan. So, folks, this is your first time joining us. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. If this has been, if you've been joining us since the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. In terms of where we are at in social media, you can find us on any platform. We're on Instagram at official ridiculous patronus, on TikTok at ridiculous patronus, at Twitter RP Factor Fantasy, Snapchat RP Factor Fantasy. We have our own Facebook fan page as well, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube, ridiculous patronus. Uh, so go ahead and give us a like, follow along, comment on the post. The audience engagement means a lot to us. It helps us out tremendously here. So please keep that up and leave reviews as well and star ratings. Now, where you can find the podcast itself to listen is essentially anywhere you get your podcast. Jason, Josh, we're there. So if you have, if you, if you have a an Apple phone, where you can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you're like a, a Android user, we're on Google Play. We have Spotify iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Stitcher, Acast, our host site, Podbean. Like I said, wherever you get your podcast, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. We are out for the day. This has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.